So, um, hi, Ronald. What was your first computer? Um, I think it was a, a Pentium. Uh, I don't know what anymore. Uh, one of the first Pentiums. Okay, cool. And uh, what you did with it? Well, it was uh, used related for LA for a school project, uh, and we we used the printer port to uh, control different uh, three type three motors, stepper motors, and uh, we created a three D scanner with it. So no no gaming involved, right? No, no, no. I'm, I'm definitely not a gamer. So um, how you got? interest on the computers was it a school assignment so you had to buy it or was more interests oh, you you wanted to create something i like to create something i like to build stuff i like to yeah it was not it was definitely not only because of the assignment but i that's the things i like to do it's uh with code we write uh, executionable fiction in my eyes okay and uh that's that's something i really like yeah, and you wanted to build something particular? The possibility to build something and the, the 3D scanner was one thing uh, we built. Uh, is there other? St Even now, I'm still building all, all kinds of stuff with uh, microcontrollers and the ESP32s. Very hey, cool. Uh, just for hobby. You build a scanner or a printer 3D? 3D scanner? 3D scanner, yeah. And yeah. the stepper motors were it like Lego Mindstorms or what was it? No, it was. Uh, it was. There were some industrial motors we got from a company, cool. uh, and uh, we we could use them for for assignments. And yeah, no, it was not. It was not Lego. It was really heavy duty uh, stepper motors. So it's a huge machine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I'm sitting now at the table of uh, one by two. I think it was half of the table. Okay, that uh, some some of you could get injured, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, the the motor definitely was strong enough because it was a, a motor with a, the special kind of axis, which is really really strong. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to put your finger between. Okay, and uh, which programming language you used to program the stuff? Uh, that was uh, C plus Wow. Okay. Dreadful, dreadful C plus <laughs> Yeah, but you start. You you knew how to program back then, or was it? It was uh, related to the school project also. We got uh, a teacher who helped us a little bit, and okay. that, that's how I, I learned it. Eh? And uh, the fun part was I got it all working, and then the teacher said, okay, now delete everything and start over. Why? Uh, it's, it was the, yeah, it's re called refactoring. Eh? Ah, but this is not so, deleting. Yeah. Refactoring is not about deleting instead of over. Yeah, correct, correct. But... Um, Back then, it was my first intro to refactoring because yeah, you know how to how to do it now. Okay. Uh, and uh, the good stuff was by by deleting everything, you had a blank sheet and you could uh, we could do it better. Okay. When was it? Nineteen ninety seven. No, 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 no. This was two thousand, I think. Oh, then then you got a better Pentium. So I think I got <laughs> my right. first first Pentium. I think it was around nineteen ninety five or six. And uh, what I remember, I also uh, wanted to have one, and I bought the Pentium 90, and there was another one, 75, so this is why I know 90, and then there was like 133 and 166 and so forth, but uh, yeah, and so I think uh, it was, uh, uh, you got a better Pentium then. That's possible. Yeah. I, in fact, I'll, I'll look it up after the... the no, it's not that interesting. So this is just, you know, uh, this is interesting which machines we had back then, right? So yeah. comparing to today. Yeah, it, it, it was still on with a floppy disk. Yeah, exactly. And um, what school was it? Was it like high school or what kind of school? Uh, it was the... Um, no, it was an industrial engineer uh, school. Okay. Yeah. In, what you are doing as an industrial engineer? So I have no idea. So were you supposed to build machines afterwards, or there are different types of um, yeah. directions in the in the industrial engineer uh, university where I went, uh, and I chose for uh, electronics and I ICT, and that's how I went to the ah. development factor. Yeah. Which city was it? Uh, it's uh, Diepenbeek. Okay. It's a small city in Belgium near Hasselt. Okay. Nice. And um, you enjoyed programming more 
or the interaction with the robot? Uh, I enjoyed programming more, but I also like the, the interaction. It's it's cool to build something that you can see the, uh, in real life move. Uh, yeah. And uh, your first programming language was C++? Yeah. Cool. Might as well. No. Basic. But uh, my real one was uh, C++ and C. Okay, cool. And and then what you did with so what was the so your first project was the 3D scanner? What happened afterwards? Yeah. So have you built something else or um afterwards, yes, we switched also to Java and uh, with Java we well, that was my assignment. Um we have a big railway station in uh, Brussels mm-hmm. and there we needed to uh, make something that um, when a door doesn't open or when uh, an elevator is having troubles that uh, we had yeah, using SVG back then, uh, we had a complete layout of the railway station and that the operators of the, the station could see, ah, there is a problem over there. Okay. Uh, so that was uh, my real intro into Java back then. But this was still at school? This was this was my final assignment, yeah, yeah, yeah. And was it actually used at the train station? Uh, we did a, a test, and I don't think it was actually used. It was in, in combination with a company that worked for the railway station, and I, I'm, I, I don't know why should I, I, I don't think so, to be honest. I think well, you know what I think the company just sold this for millions. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they told you this was crap, and they took it and sold it. You know, for ten millions. And it's not, possible. Yeah. It's possible. I, don't, I, 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 I still hear them once in a while. Who, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and and you enjoy Java actually? Yes. Yes. It was uh, much more appreciated after all the C plus plus. Oh really? Uh, so um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I was fascinated by C plus plus, and as Java came out, I um, with Oak, so it was a little bit earlier, but I didn't like it a lot because uh, what I appreciated in C plus plus was the headifies. I don't know, I like them. You know that there is something like an API, and then mm-hmm. you can use them, include H or whatever. And I also like the C in and C out, and then operator overloading. I like you know to tinker with that, so I try to overload everything just for fun. But um, okay. and in Java there was no operator overloading, no C, C, uh, C in and C out. You couldn't in C you could even overload. You know the um, how to call it the operators, the C in and C out. You know the uh, uh, greater operators and and, and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Was lots less, of, greater, less than. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. And so you like Java? Um, which technology you used at the train station? So SVGU. So probably Batic, right? Batic, yeah, yeah, indeed, SVG, Batic, and um, we also created something, and that was, was uh, that's something they liked. Uh, you could declare your UI using uh, XML files. Mm-hmm. Back then, it was uh, quite uh, new, and uh, yeah, we we process the XML file, and uh, depending on the user profile, you got a different layout of. Uh, of, yeah, what you can see and stuff cool. like that. Now you would use YAML, you know, and and, and yeah, yeah, three yeah. times as I... as, as long <laughs> as XML yeah. back then. Okay. Um, so you start in the XML the profiles or the actual layout of this translation? No, we we really start uh, the the complete layout. So we made something that yeah, the the. Um, we parse the complete XML file, and if it said button, we would show a button on the on. Oh, it was. So it was uh, the entire UI was in XML. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You are aware of uh, this was it's actually dead right now, but it was uh, Firefox or Mozilla Zool with XUL, so mm-hmm. you you could you know define the entire user interface with. Uh, XML. Yeah, indeed, it was something really like that, but uh, I wouldn't do that again, to be honest. Uh, it was the, the XML was quite bloated when you added a lot of. Uh, the good thing is the most part of the screen was the, the SVG lay, lay, viewer with um, the, the the layout of the, tra- the railway station. But even then, uh, all the extra buttons, it, it added a lot of code to the lay, or XML to the, the XML file. Yeah, but you serialize probably Java objects to XML, right? Uh, we see, we know we parse the XML and then depending on the the type of XML thing we encountered, we yeah we instantiated a new button or a new uh okay 
So it was not like you had for every element in XML a Java class. It's more more like you had processor. No, we did. You... No, no, no. We did, we did, we did, we did. Okay, then it was more yeah. or less you use Xtreme or such. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. So, uh, I mean, you know, you, usually you would start with Hello World, and you started with two interesting projects. So I'm, uh, I, that yeah. that was that was during the, the the classes, of course, but that was the end assignment after four years of studying. So it could be a little bit more than Hello World. Okay, and 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 in in your leisure, you did something as well, or just in, uh, back then it was more uh, windsurfing and uh, windsurfing in Belgium. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Where? Uh, we had a big lake next, uh, I mean, a couple of kilometers from from our home, and then it was excellent to windsurf. And oh, cool. also while we went to to, the, to Holland to to windsurf also. So you wanted to become a pro or just? No, no, no. It was that was leisure. That was leisure. Oh, so you really wanted to one time become a pro windsurfer? No, the, the windsurfing was pure for leisure. It was uh, to get get a fresh hat once in a while. Okay. Okay, so uh, the last project was the train station. What mm -hmm. happened afterwards? Then, um, yeah, it was time for the, the real life and uh, to, to go to work. And uh, I started out in the content management world, enterprise content management world. Mm -hmm. Which company? Uh, Amplexor. It's a learning-based uh, company. Mm -hmm. now, uh, they, they got a little a lot bigger by now. Okay, and still Java. Uh, it was a combination of Java and uh, close your ears, a VB script. Oh, this is an interesting combination. Yes, like, yes. How you can actually combine Java with VB script? Yeah, that's a good question. So the the content management system we often had to implement was Tridium, mm -hmm. and uh, using Tridium itself was uh, all uh, yeah .NET. No, it wasn't back then. It was not yet .NET, but all Microsoft mm -hmm. kinds of uh, code. And we had to use uh, VBScript to generate uh, GSPs. Ah, from that, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in one point of time, I remember something right now. At Java 1, there was a, a project announced, but it I think it never went live. This was, uh, I think, even Visual Basic or Visual Basic Script Interpreter for Java. You remember yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot the name. We have to do some research because uh, yeah. it was a huge announcement, and then somehow it disappeared. Yeah, happens sometimes with all this kind, of LA, all these new frameworks and all these new uh, yeah. languages. Yeah, cool. And then you joined the company. You work there? Yeah, 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 yeah. We had a lot of uh, fun projects. I, I got the opportunity to travel a lot. Um, we went to Australia and New Zealand to start off uh, banks together with Ali. Uh, we did the, the website part, and cool. they uh, we integrated with the backend. So no, it was it was a fun, it was definitely fun times. So then you quit. And then uh, I became a freelancer. Ah, are you still uh, freelancer? Yes, 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 yes. So from there until now, you are freelancer right now. Yeah, so it's uh, twelve years almost now that I'm freelancing. Not bad. So 2008, yeah. you quit, and then you are happy hacking. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I quit at the uh, at, at the, the, the enterprise content management company, but um, yeah, it was too busy, and the I, I could continue for I continued for a couple of years there as a freelancer because it was a nice place to work. Okay. Um, and then afterwards, I really quit. Okay. But 2008, it was the, you know the crisis as well, right? With the yeah, that that was the fun part. I got the reason I uh, became a freelancer was that I could start uh, as a Java developer at a, a big Belgian bank. Mm -hmm. uh, contract was signed, uh, and uh, three months later, when I, I was supposed to to start there, they suddenly said, "Yeah, all the contracts we signed. I'm sorry, but uh, they don't start." Mm -hmm. uh, and I was lucky enough that I could continue uh, at the company where I used to work. That I, uh, yeah, I continued for a couple of years there. Mm -hmm. This is how how important contracts are, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It depends, uh, it depends uh, whether you're Goliath, Goliath or David, and uh, sometimes choose your battles. And uh... yeah, um, and I don't think you regretted your decision, right? 
That's no, 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 no. Still enjoying it. It makes me do the things I like to do. And yeah, if, if you, the free, it gives me a lot more freedom. Okay. Cool. And what you did in the last 12 years? I mean, some fun project we can take. Uh, I'm also a freelancer. So for me, it's, uh, I never mention my projects because mostly of NDAs. That's the problem. I never mm -hmm. know what I can tell. But if you can tell us something, then go ahead. So what was a project? What was your, you know, area of uh, operations? So you spent probably yeah. some time with Java, hopefully. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm, I'm lucky that I didn't need to sign uh, too much NDAs. So I, I can surely uh, oh, tell a little cool. bit about it. So the, the first project was um, for uh, the Flemish government where uh, we made, in fact, uh, Tinder-like Tinder uh, platform, but for um, job seekers and employers. Ah, okay. I, I was already curious how, how, how it turned <laughs> out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most of the time I say we made a dating platform, but for uh, job seekers and uh, yeah. Employers. Hey, and, uh, uh, yeah. from from the abstract point of view, it could be even worse than the actual Tinder. Know what you are saying right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, but you mean uh, real employers and job seekers, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, real employers and job seekers, and it was a lot of fun because back then I thought I knew Java, <clears throat> and I was lucky enough to arrive in a really really good team. Yeah. And uh, I learned a lot from from these guys, to be honest, because uh, I remember um, they they it was all the time uh, XP uh, was rather new, mm -hmm. and they really embraced it. So uh, the guy next to me uh, on my first day, he said, uh, "Yeah, uh, I'm gonna write a unit test, and then you can implement it and write the next unit test." So I writes his test. He hands me the keyboard. And uh, my mouse, my hand was going to the mouse, and he slapped my hand and he said, "Uh, uh we don't use the mouse here." Cool. Uh, and uh, each day he, Ali, they taught me some new uh, shortcuts on the keyboard, and Ali, it made my productivity so much better that I, Ali, really still thank these guys for for that opportunity. This is great. That's really great. Yeah. So, yeah and uh, yeah, I also try that. And uh, but for instance, you know Visual Studio Code. Yes. So yesterday, uh, I wanted to switch between terminals in Visual Studio Code. So you have multiple terminals, and there is yes. no shortcut for that. You know. So I know. Uh, so and uh, I was too lazy to create one, because creating okay. new shortcuts is always painful. You know, because uh, they always and collide with existing ones, and I had to think. Yeah. And for this small thing. I need a mouse, which really annoyed, annoys me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So this is, um, yeah, but you should be, I think this was a great advice because uh, you can save a lot of time, you know, if you memorize all Definitely. the shortcuts and stuff. Yeah. Definitely. Ali, it made my productivity go Ali, double in, 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 yeah, a couple of months. Cool. Yeah. But um, you, you did the positive uh, experience with XP. My experiences with the whole Agile and XP was more like, People wanted, you know, the fashion out of that, but they didn't embrace it really. So they uh, they love to talk about XP and Agile, and uh, and we spent you know time in countless meetings uh, discussing something, but this was absolutely pointless. And uh, um, yeah, and for me it was always you know the XP and and Agile was more or less obvious. I mean, you cannot just do something in waterfall; it doesn't work at all, and nothing works mm -hmm. in waterfall manner. So it is always iterative. And um, yeah, and that's basically it, right? So, but uh, in in your case, they did even more with that. And also, you know, the stuff writing unit tests first, I not always do it. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is it. Really depends on on the situation. And this, you yeah. know, the how to call it, uh, the dogmatic way. Uh, this is what I don't like because if someone tells you you have to always do it, okay, so always there is never always. So you, you can say no, do it eighty no. percent of the time, and the, and and this is what it costs a lots of damage. The whole dogmatic stuff. Um, I remember one Definitely. project the guys tried to generate everything, and if you try to generate everything, you know the generator have to be perfect, and they spend many years just to fix the generator. You know, so this is always yeah. you know the dogmatic way yeah. never works. But now yeah. cool. Um, which company was it? The guy from the company, you know it? 
Yes, yes, it was Sehega. It's, uh, they are all, also now uh, okay. working in, in Germany quite a lot. Okay. Uh, and yeah, they really embraced all the, the XP and it's really, I mean, they did it really well, to be honest. It cool. was really great into in, in Agile and, and TDD and stuff like that. Yeah, and the Tinder stuff is still working? Uh, I think it still is working. Yeah, it's it's uh, over uh, 10, 11 years old and they're still, uh, cool. still doing its job. Yeah. Perfect. Interesting. Next one. I'm really curious about what you, what you did, you know. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Um, I worked a couple of years there, and then um, I, I went uh, to Belgacom uh, or Proximus. It's the largest telecom provider of Belgium. Okay. And uh, oh boy, I came from an excellent way of working with tests, and uh, it made a lot of sense. And then uh, my first day, day there, uh, they said, "Yeah, if you want to to compile the code, you have to do." Maven clean install minus D skip tests is true. Okay. Uh, I didn't sleep for three days, only three nights, to be honest, because yeah, how you don't have any fallback at all or uh, no safety net. Uh, and uh, yeah, I quickly decided then to uh, delete all the tests which were failing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then that's, we started re-implementing uh, everything uh, with some extra tests always because uh, yeah, this without them yeah you're putting at deer that's moving to be honest, mm -hmm. and uh, this, this this did a lot. So you are extreme XP guy with unit test uh, experience. So uh, I'm I'm programming uh, something for me right now, and the something mm -hmm. is a new block engine which i will actually use mm -hmm. and okay. probably i have i would say um 10 percent or 20 percent of unit test coverage but okay. what i have is i i would say probably 80 to 100 i didn't measure that uh coverage of black box system tests okay. so what uh what i'm doing is i'm testing you know always uh the remote api yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, if something is harder to test because you cannot, for instance, right? So if you if you create a post, the title has to be uh, compatible with URI, and this is mm -hmm. painful because you know you have to replace special characters, whatever. For that, for this, I've wrote unit tests, of course, because of mm -hmm. via the system test will be too slow. So I'm misusing unit tests to gain, you know, productivity and speed, and the real tests are always black box tests. Because other yeah, and um and what I see in projects right now is the is the is the inverse you know strategy. What they are doing, they are unit testing everything that uh, uh, they have uh, a test coverage one hundred percent, and there's absolutely yeah. no black box tests. So and I ask myself, this is an absolute crap. What you are doing here? For instance, um, uh, what I what I noticed sometimes my HTTP status codes are not right per accident. You will never catch it with unit tests, you know, because there was some right. exception happened. There's internal server error, you know, with yeah. uh, really crappy headers and whatever. And I immediately saw that, okay, it broke my test, so I fixed that. And I think I'm very, very productive with that. What's your opinion on such an approach? I completely agree. Normally, they say you should have the, the testing pyramids. Yeah, you, yeah. Uh, a lot of unit tests, integration tests, blah, 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 yeah. end to end tests. I don't agree with that. Um, I think you should go to an obelisk yeah. where you have the, only, it's perfect possible that you have the same amount of integration tests and uh, the same amount of unit tests or even less unit tests. Yeah. But often when you need to refactor, you also have to refactor all your unit tests. Yeah. Which exactly. doesn't add any productivity. So why? the boundaries like you do with backbox testing and yeah perfect so i'm really happy because you have a you know, complete different experience than i have i never saw actually working xp project so really you know guys uh, they just they were more about you know i was a little bit annoyed by the whole xp because in I, I was not very lucky so this was my experience like with your company and uh like you know the uh the agile and xp were mostly driven by guys like uh, Scrum Masters, which didn't mm -hmm. have a lot of, you know, motivation 
to be a good programmer yeah. rather than they enjoyed you know the entire agile movement so and yeah, yeah, yeah. wanted to have the, the you know the certifications and yeah. they talked about the velocities and all the stuff is like, okay everything is great but in my the source code also counts sometimes sometimes you know and and this real xp this was like in your case what i really appreciate this is more like you know okay we were already agile or iterative now do it better and apply xp on top of that and then love get the less 10 percent more productivity which is great or even yeah this is what i appreciate so i'm happy that you also see this with the system tests because uh for me i never got it and i saw so many projects failing or not failing uh too slow you know the whole refactoring yeah. and the and the pyramid I, I i asked the question several times and no one could explain me why it is so important to have that pyramid i, I think if you would implement a game right so then okay. the logic is so complicated that the unit test absolutely makes sense because you will have unit tests yeah. everywhere but we are mostly now writing software which writes to databases is not that complicated so and therefore the yeah. pyramid does doesn't matter because you will end up you know invoking getters and setters and constructors yeah. very cool so uh so um how how long you stayed in the project without tests so you fix everything so or uh well uh yeah in the beginning uh there were there were no tests there like like we said yeah. and then um it took one and a half years to get uh, the the project. We luckily we had enough. We had Sonar Cube uh, back then okay. already, mm -hmm. um, and it was sixty thousand lines of code. And yeah, when we re-enabled all the tests uh, that were working, I think we had like six uh, percent coverage. Okay. Uh, and after one and a half years, we uh, reduced the code. 40,000 lines of code, cool. added new functionality, and we had 40% coverage. Yeah, so, very good. So I can imagine what what you, what the code base was, right? Lots of mappers and uh, DTOs and, yeah. and oh. interfaces, impulse, <laughs> factories, abstract factories, and configurators, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we, we joined a limited projects uh, or so. No, but this is, uh, this is this what I sometimes see, you know, if you... Uh, I, I, I'm... I, what I, what I sometimes said is um, if you have a huge project, you can always, you know, split it a half. You can throw away 50% of the source code that is going to be better than before. And, um, yes. and uh, recently, so I asked myself how it happens that all the projects, you know, the, the bigger projects are organized the same way. So you have like, you know, stupid packages like uh, exceptions, enums, uh, foundation, domain, yeah it has no association with business logic you know and you, you have it as well yeah yeah, yeah definitely definitely uh, and, and, and you know why why it happens that all the projects are organized similar way like they have you know uh daos D, uh, dto so this is like bureaucratic design what i tell so just don't make me think you know you have one package called interfaces put all interfaces there one package called uh entities all entities entities there you know why Architecture decisions with architectures that don't code. I don't know. Yeah, but if you think about this, the uh, architect or designer, whoever is in charge, uh, she or he, they can only um, structure or, or or predefine structure which is which is not business structure, because they don't know upfront, you know, what the names are. So the yeah. only chance they have to create a template which is pointless. You know, just yeah. we know this is Java, so probably you will need mappers and configurators, and they do it, and and but this causes a, a, a lots of trouble. So I think with uh, what uh, it is impossible to create a template which is business-like because if they will say you no know, in a telecommunication company like they have antennas or clients or whatever, so uh, he cannot know it in advance. That that's the problem. Correct, correct. I wonder why all the developers always go along with it. Less and less. So in, in my world, really, this is why I do a lot of front-end. So I say, so in Jakarta, in microprofile projects, so recent, it is more or less solved. So uh, it, it looks really better and better. And uh, everyone is productive and really happy. And to okay. the degree, I don't know whether you, you, you heard about Quarkus, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes if I know, uh, they ask me what's new and I tell them about Quarkus, they try it out. It's like, okay, it's great, but Whitefly or Payara are good enough. So this is like, no, not like they are super excited. 
the, the super excitement happens in company who either have, you know, virus scanners running <laughs> and the deployment takes five minutes or uh, they just completely exaggerated the architecture and the war is like, you know, 20 megs big. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. I, I, I still don't know. I mean, what I still see in Belgium, the last project I was on was microservices related. And for me, it's the big, the big ball of mud. In fact, just got even bigger. Yeah. Because all the mappers and stuff. I mean, here in Belgium, it's not solved. Actually, we we tend to still overkill all our solutions and create a backend for frontend, which is just doing mapping without adding any extra value. Okay. But um, yeah. Um, okay. So the, we can sh still do something about that. So yeah. How long you spend at the company? Uh, at the company back then with the telecom, it was one year and a, and a half. Okay, and, and which technology were used? Java E or? No, no, no. It was uh, just Java and Tomcat. Uh, Java E is uh, not that. I mean, that's what I also find amazing. There is a lot of regional differences between okay. uh, uh, the use of Java E and. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, I see it's a lot more important in Germany than it is uh, here, in, here in Belgium. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. And uh, yeah. so what you did instead? We just used uh, plain uh, Java and, and uh, Tomcat and we deployed. I mean, there is, there is, I only encountered Java once in my whole career, to be honest. Okay. And it was for the, the Belgian government and it was even in the, I mean, when I still was doing the, the content management stuff. Okay. Uh, and you built so everything from scratch on Tomcat? Uh, we did a lot of stuff with uh, back then. Uh, wait, uh, the it was a lot of stuff on Sketch. Yes, yes, yes. But this is why a, lot, uh, a huge amount of work, actually. Yeah, it's true. But this was in two thousand and let me think, uh, ten or something. Okay. Two thousand ten, eleven. Uh, all the the EE wasn't. Uh, as mature back then as it is now, to be early in my eyes, I think. I think since 2006, we got Java E5, which was great for me. So since then, oh, it okay. just, I really was convinced that this is the way to go. Back okay. then, prior to annotations, we had to use a mm -hmm. lot of XML. And this mm -hmm. was, there was actually no solution, you know, to fix it. So we yeah. generated the XML with XDoctor, we tried to write it, but you had always, the truth was into places. So you had yeah. during refactoring, you have to refactor the XML and the Java yeah. classes, and this was painful. So you, yeah. so w w what I what I wanted to have like an you know, old tran transactional refactoring. So either I refactor something and it should work, and not, and this was really painful. But then since yeah. 2006, it worked well, and in Belgium. So this is surprising because I was uh, I was uh, invited to Belgium several times to the uh, DevOps and Arus conference. Mm -hmm. And they, they were always full and the developers came to me and explained me. So it, for me, it, it seemed like uh, Belgium is, uh, is uh, Java E is very popular because the sessions were full and the people came to me and, 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 and told, you know, the war stories about Java E and whatever. So, uh, yeah. It's strange because I, I, I already did 10 projects and I never, I never encountered it in, cool. in real life. Okay. Yeah. So what did you do? I have so... to the wrong projects. Okay. No wrong. The difference is people come to me because they want to have Java E. So, yeah. so for me, this is like I only see Java E microprofile right now. Yeah, this is yeah, uh, yeah. the funny stuff. And I wanted to do something else at the beginning, but uh, it never worked. So my hope was, you know, in one point, Java E is going to be too slow and I can use Scala or whatever, but it never happened. <laughs> so it was um, always good enough. This was uh, my problem a little bit. So um, this is a little bit, uh, how to call it, boring, right? So now, cool. So, what else you did? So, this was the uh, what else? Other projects which you which you liked or interesting? Um, then uh, I had an other fun project, and you probably I always hear a lot of biased views about it. I went to .NET development for a while. Okay. So uh, the the reason was that uh, I worked on a tender for a, a big project, and yeah, the company wanted to have. Uh, yeah, .NET only. They, they are .NET only. So I decided, okay, let's uh, let's learn .NET. Mm -hmm. uh, and to be honest, uh, I was 
quite amazed about uh, the maturity and the open source community in .NET these days. Mm-hmm. These days was so, 2011, 12. No, this was 2000. Uh, this was a couple of year, years later. This was 2014 or something, 2015. Okay. Yeah, they in one point of time everything was almost open source, so the open source became to be a default. Mm-hmm. As the Satya Nadella st- started at Microsoft, so everything changed. Yeah, indeed, indeed. It was .NET uh, well, Core was just released. It was about to be released. It was a little bit too early though to to sweet to start developing already in .NET Core. But uh, there are, for example, two libraries that I uh, used in .NET, which were not available in Java, which I really, really love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you, you know, Jimmy Bogart? Uh, probably, no. No, he's uh, he created a library called Mediator, and I love it, Sally. It's, okay. it's like what, what your Java is for you, that's what the Mediator library is for me. Okay. And uh, so you are a C sharp developer right now? No, no, I'm doing both. I don't care anymore for which language this, uh, whether it's Java, .NET, or Python. It's, okay, that's good. just a matrix. And uh, and the mediator library, what it does is like it is like backend. It's for for backend, and what you do is uh, you you just it it allows you to decouple your uh, API, your REST API, from your services because all the projects I always went to is you had a these service classes with mm-hmm. which were thousands of lines long and uh, it was dreadful to to do anything with them and the the mediator library is what you you fire a request and then you have a, a handler class which mm-hmm. is typically you well, uh, one under 100 lines of code mm-hmm. and it's it's a one-to-one mapping and it it allows you just fire the the, the request and you get a response back and it's done and it's it's yeah, you only have one dependency in your API, for example. You only import a mediator. This uh, is like Java E. That, yeah. I wanted to say like, this is like Java E. I wanted to say tatsächlich. Okay. No, this is German. This is uh, uh, like <laughs> oh, okay. indeed, right? Yeah. And what what's the, the equivalent in Java E? In Java E, you have, uh, or micro profile, let's say. You have one dependency, it will be micro profile. That's basically okay. it. And uh, your service classes. Would be uh, POJOS or POCOS yeah. in your case, yeah. played old uh, C sharp classes. And uh, th- there are two approaches in my project. So if the project is simple, you can put some annotations on service classes and you are done. But uh, what usually happens that the, uh, the POJOS, they return, for instance, uh, other POJOS which are serialized to uh, JSON, like you would like a yeah. POJO, like, you know get uh, calendar items and you get a calendar item back, for instance. Yeah. And the uh, rest layer, uh, you you would probably like, you know, not to return the calendar I- item rather than a response with uh, headers and uh, status code and the calendar item. So the the first layer is more or less, uh, so like JAXRS, this is the API. And yeah. uh, it comes with annotations like get uh, media type, yeah. um, uh, produces, consumes, and so forth. And yeah. this calls injected POJO. So basically for a simple uh, microservice, you will need two classes in Java E or MicroProfile. And mm-hmm. Java E and MicroProfile both are the same. So what I'm talking about, this is like, yeah. because there is uh, some intersection and we, uh, we yeah. are right in the intersection called JAXRS and CDI. Uh, this is hyper-productive. This is why I like it. And you have one dependency, exactly one. This is the MicroProfile dependency. Uh, I it, dep- it depends if your uh, I think your REST layer is really bounded correctly. Um, otherwise, otherwise, if you have multiple dependencies, you still only inject the micro profile object, or, or you not inject, with- you declare micro profile in Maven, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and then you have the API, and then mm-hmm. you ship mm-hmm. it to a runtime. And the runtime implements the API. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So in yeah, MicroProfile, yeah. we have Quarkus, Halidon, OpenLiberty, yeah. Whitefly, Tommy, Payara, and a couple of others. And mm-hmm. uh, and uh, this is basically it. So the server is the runtime. And the cool story is you are not depending on the runtime. So you never depend on the actual mediator. Oh, 
you will yeah, only yeah. depend on the on the interfaces and this is but why i like uh, uh in enterprise projects this is the, my trick why i'll do it this because i could actually use the implementation directly but you know people like to you know to chat with me whether i use whitefly payara whatever and i say look it doesn't matter we just start and then later we can decide and then the entire discussion is over you know and this is great and uh some clans have contracts with red hat so they go to whitefly others have yeah. payara from glassfish from sun so they go to payara tommy there are some people who are using tommy open liberty ibm so you know this is the, then the whole management and politics is out of scope yeah, 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 yeah. But for me, there's still a difference, though, to be honest. Okay. Um, because I, I, I have some experience with uh, uh, Open Liberty and, and, and Quarkus also. Um, but the, in your code, in your REST API, you still declare a dependency on your actual service class, no? Uh, the, yeah, you inject the service class. Yes, indeed. And with the, the mediator library in, in .NET, you don't do that. And in, in fact, you, you yeah, uh, how must I say it? You just have uh, some kind of request object you, you send to the mediator library. And the, and the request uh, is a generic type. And it says, I will return you this type of response. Yeah. And where it is, you don't care. You know, you will get a response. But your REST API is completely does not know almost anything about your service API, and it allows for really one your REST API are often one-liners. But but uh, at one point of time you have connect both, right? Yes, and that's uh, when you deploy everything. Uh, they they yeah they are there. Yeah, the, but, the, but if you deploy, you need the XML or conventions that the request matches the right service, right? That's the, the beautiful part of it. What happens is you fire off the uh, request. A mediator knows about your CDI uh, thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It looks, uh, I have this kind of request. Okay, I need this kind of service to, to have the response. And it will generate a response for you without, yeah, without you depending actually on the actual service. Oh, then we could probably even do this as well, but uh, then it would be different. Then we don't need the first layer mm -hmm. because we don't have the generic request and response. We say, okay, we would be more specific. We would mm -hmm. only have the service layer and I would mm -hmm. put on the class path. This is a JAXRS mm -hmm. annotations like attributed, I think yeah. in C Sharp. And I say pass yeah. slash items, choose a method and say get, and I'm so and I'm done. There's nothing else to do. Uh, it all depends on the complexity of the project, I think. Yeah, but this both work in huge project as well. Yeah. Okay. So I, I don't okay. uh, get the benefit of this decoupling. So we have to talk more you now the next time, but because it will be interesting episode, mediator versus. Uh, but uh, is this in? Uh, this is more conventional, so you do nothing. You just say, okay, this should be a GET request, and everything happens automatically. Uh, I, I can follow, but sometimes you have one project where we, we used the mediator library was to um, calculate the wages of people who work in, in construction. Okay. And here in Belgium, we have all kinds of laws that depending on the amount of days it rains, depending on the... The age, depending of the, the, the business rules, were really, really difficult. Okay. And also there, because we needed to do a lot of calculations, the, the mediator thing helped us to keep us, our code really, uh, really, really clean and, and Ali, tidy. Uh, because we were a couple of Java developers all, and we all switched to .NET. And everybody said, they in the end, they loved the, the media, mediator thing. It's interesting, uh, it because all, if they love it, we could do something similar in Java. The question is, you know, what would be the benefit? I still don't get it. Because calculations, what I would do, I would uh, mm -hmm. expose a, a service with the path like uh, calculations, let's say. Mm -hmm. Then accept via post a JSON object, which has like command pattern, which has, you know, all, mm -hmm. all whatever you said. And then mm -hmm. the rest layer is done. Then you need a, a service layer, uh, like, you know, money calculator whatever and it expects mm -hmm. this json 
it could mm -hmm. be typed with JSON B or HashMap like yeah, with yeah. JSON P. And then you I only need unit test to test that. So I'm done. I agree, but what will happen typically is that the service class yeah. will become huge. Yeah. And then exactly. Ah I know I get you. That's the difference. The uh, yes. service class is the boundary in my case, in my point of yeah. view. And the boundary is just a facet. So if it becomes too large, the responsibility of programmer is to move out the logic into controls and inject the controls to the boundary. And I assume Absolutely. that you know, this is the job of the mediator, right? So there is no... Yeah. yeah. The, the, the mediator thing forces you, to, forces you to automatically split off classes each time you have a new type of request, whereas typically people just add it to the existing service and don't think about, oh, it's time to, to de de decouple it or to pull it out in another class. The, the mediated library forces you to do it. Because it only and understands commands, yeah, it's, right? It's, it only understands classes with one method, yeah. more or less. Yeah, 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 indeed. Okay, so now I got you. So this is, uh, okay. So the, um, in my world, we have facades and the controls. And mm -hmm, this is mm -hmm. the responsibility of the programmer to introduce controls in case the boundary grows too big. And in your world, yeah. there will be never a boundary, just controls, and they are only one method long because they have matched the request, right? Uh, they, yeah, typically they do, yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Okay, got it. The the reason why I also like it, uh, he also has some great um, webinars, uh, Jimmy Bogert. He, for example, uh, tends to uh, put his API, so his REST layer, right next to his domain. Okay. So, yeah. The code that belongs together should be together. Yeah, and, and absolutely. I'm with him. So this is this is absolute agreement here. Yeah, 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 yeah. So and that's why that, why I I felt lucky to do both Java and .NET because now I see the best of two worlds. Yeah. And uh, I can I can relate. And there, I still don't understand why Bling or or perhaps you guys with MicroProfiler don't uh, create the concept like the mediator thing because it's really it's really really. If the uh, block engine is done, I can show you this. This is uh, not that complicated, but mm -hmm. uh, this is very simple. And uh, I think what happens, so in my projects, what I see is we write so little code, so I cannot imagine to get it in any simpler. No? There is no magic involved. Mm -hmm. The suspicion what I have with Mediator, there's a little bit more magic, and it could be even simpler, but uh, I don't have to argue in my projects why I'm using... Java E or MicroProfile because it's mm -hmm. there. If if this would be part of MicroProfile, then go ahead, right now. But but if this is additional library, forget it. So I'm I'm yeah, a, I'm a freelancer as you. I will have to argue against everyone, you know, and, and they will show their libraries, and then I will spend the entire day in meetings. And now I say, I, okay, we have nothing. We are no dependencies. Just go ahead, and, and we are productive. So this is. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. interesting uh, th thought. I will think about this and. Take a look if in really world projects whether uh, we could optimize something here because uh, doable is of course such a thing. Yeah, uh, I still don't get how you how the medi mediator knows which method to invoke at the end of the day. There should be a mapping. Uh, it's easy because the whole mediator library is just eight or ten classes or something. Mm -hmm. So it's actually it's not magic. Uh, and what it expects you to, to do when you fire up a request, it's in your um, IOC container or your CDI uh, thingy to have uh, a class which implements an interface. And it will be that interface, that method from that interface that is called. And if voila. Yeah, but there will be uh, 500 classes which implement this interface, right? Yes, but uh, by having, you know, it knows the, the request. Yeah, so it can go look up the, the correct handler for that. So the request is typed. The request is typed, yeah. So, yeah but yeah, then you have lots of requests. So you have to create you have to create an interface, a particular implementation, and the request object for that. Uh, yes, but I prefer, for me, the, the requests are all one line of, yeah, I understand your uh, concern. Typically what we do is in, in and the, the, the handler, for example, and the requests are in the same file. So in, in C Sharp, you can have multiple uh, wow. classes in the same file. Yeah. So they're really next to each other. And the requests are all, it's often just one liner. It's a constructor with 
uh, the, the, the input you expect and that's it. Yeah. And then your handler takes, takes the, the, the things and does, does it magic. What I thought and, uh, I, I thought what I saw last year and the project was in Netherlands mm -hmm. and they did a huge refactoring. And I think they also had contact with the library, but they tried to, to translate it to Java. And what they did is they said, okay, this was like uh, the, um, how it's called, uh, orthogonal architectures, where you have, you know, six, six, six sides, six adapters, but actually you only yeah, need yeah. one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but what they did is, you know, they used events for that. So for me, request and event are very similar. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and, but in Java, it was terrible because you had so many event, events and so many classes that uh, it was like, you know, a huge amount of mapping going on so um what we what what could what could work i think is in java instead of using type requests using annotations so that you have like explicit mapping because the request is always the same so this is it only contains you know the name of the path so we have already this this request and then map it uh, i for me, uh, what I would do is in your REST layer, in your API layer, already map the request to the actual, to make sure that it's not JSON anymore. I, in, my, in my handler, I don't want to talk about JSON. Okay, but have. if you know that it's JSON even better, because you, you can you take in my world JSON B, you have yeah, a Java yeah. class with public attributes, and this this basically it. Yeah, indeed. That will be typically your request, for example. Yeah, and response as well. Is a void, null? Or optional, optional of type JSONB. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. what we can do actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Well, it, it would be fun to see it in your project once, and then I I could show it in in our project. Yeah, we should before we show it too 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 often. We should build just a mediator. You know, this is this is what you are just a mediator's example, because uh, what I uh, what you only need is is a generic uh, a JAXRS boundary or whatever. Which yeah. uh, which con which assumes that inside the request there is a JSON stuff and it just yeah. you know maps to a to a JSON object and uh, we only need mapping like the path has to be mapped to our object type. Yeah. So there should be a convention, but if you have it, we have yeah. the mediator, and this could work because uh, because the JSON objects, the JSON B, you would need anyway because this is mm -hmm. your domain right. objects, and yeah. Uh, yeah, this this I mean something like this. Could work right uh yeah. and it uh, would work well um yeah, yeah this is what i understand so we have still a little bit of time so um mm -hmm. you create a job runner yes 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 uh very briefly i think i will re-invite you the next time so we can talk about that more deeply but uh for now why you created a job runner um because it was the other library i really liked in dotnet ah. uh, that's hangfire and it was not there yet in java mm -hmm. Uh, and I thought, why why not build it instead of uh, waiting for it to appear? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's one of the things we really depend on in, the, in a lot of projects we do. Uh, and it allows you to just, you have a, you want to run some long running job in the background, you just call a, a method with a Lambda and uh, it will be serialized to JSON in your storage. Mm -hmm. can be... Uh, uh, a SQL or no SQL, and then different servers can can start processing it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so but you have some limitations. What the lambda can be, right? Uh, yes, it's it cannot be a multi-line lambda for the moment, but mm -hmm. for the rest, it should work uh, rather well. Typically, it, it's when you want to call some service method or something that oh, okay. that that in your CDIs, you just call that method with parameters. You can add parameters, of course, mm -hmm. or do, domain objects which you pass along. Uh, and these will all be serialized in, in the storage. And then So the, run... the, the added value of your job uh, uh, library is not the job execution, rather the Lambda serialization, right? Yeah, it's, uh, and the Lambda serialization and that you can just call it with a Lambda. All the other uh, frameworks to, to run background jobs force you to implement all this all interfaces and no um, you know completable future in java yeah, yeah 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 i know i know i know uh completable future indeed but then you can only run it on for example if the request comes in you can only run it on uh, your web server on the server where the, the the request yeah, arrived yeah yeah and if you want to offload work 
to another server. It's you you have to write a lot of boilerplate code. You need to put it on an event bus or something. Uh, yeah, but uh, what I still don't understand in your approaches, if I let's say I have a front end server with your job running mm -hmm. library, and I'm executing mm -hmm. lambda, and in this lambda, okay, this uh, lambda has to be self enclosed, right? So there there there, there couldn't be no invocations to something else so the entire business logic has to be in the lambda what no yeah the the lambda you actually call or the function you will call yeah. in the end will contain your business logic indeed yeah and you are serializing the lambda with custom magic to json uh, it's asm the asm ah, okay so now i go okay now this will work so because yeah. if you have asm so you have the okay cool that, that okay yeah. that that's actually cool and then, uh, yeah, the, the, the fun part is uh, we needed to generate uh, a lot of uh, documents uh, rather quickly. And what we now do is we just call the, the job runner thing. It creates a lot of jobs. Using Kubernetes, we uh, scale the, the background service to 10. Uh, it can be auto-scaling. And they just uh, offload work from uh, from the database and all it gets fast. All it gets it gets done 10 times faster and without you just have lambdas and your actual service classes you almost not depend on, on job runner yeah well what i first uh, I, I just performed a very brief review of the job runner and i only saw uh, two or three dependencies like waiter or something so you are using a very few dependencies which is great because i hate libraries where you get you know the whole world downloaded and um so in your current project or current uh, project you mentioned, how this worked is you had like a front-end facade. It just generates the request in ASMs, stores this in JSON in a central store. And then on mm -hmm. the other side, you know, the Kubernetes wakes up job uh, processors and they wake up and read from the database and, and perform the business logic. And, uh, and then how the results are sent back to the user no there is just they are just uh, affecting the database right yeah typically they only uh, affect the database yeah yeah, yeah. yeah cool. uh, mm -hmm. i did i did something similar but okay. completely different uh, technology so uh okay. what i did in one project is you, uh, you know hazelcast something like yes, this yes. it's like distributed uh, hash map yeah and uh i i wanted to do more and uh what i did is uh there is a project naswan in javascript and I implemented an interface with Naswan. So you can actually implement Java interface with JavaScript. And the cool story mm -hmm. is the uh, Naswan thing, JavaScript, is ASCII. So I stored, you know, the, the entire uh, script in, in Hazelcast. It was distributed to all nodes. And then I yeah. could execute any logic I wanted everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah correct. So this was That's a simplistic good. project, but, uh, but it worked uh, well as well. So I was very yeah. curious how your code travels. Because if you're starting yeah. with class loaders, forget it, you know, this is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it yeah cool idea, actually. Thank you. So, uh, so, you are, so, so you are a Java developer, a C-Sharp developer, and you have lots of nice projects. It's a, yeah. And and about your, your approach, just in using Java SE is even better. The problem with, in my world, you know, Java SE is not sufficient. I have to use MicroProfile or Java e on top of it. But uh, this is the next step. So, but if Java SE works... No problem. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed, indeed. And it's now also uh, supposed JSONB, by the way. So I tested the complete job runner um, on uh, Quarkus, I think, and on Open Liberty. And it's all uh, you, you don't, uh, you just include the job runner, and uh, it has only dependency on ASM, and you're set to go. Uh, is it a Quarkus extensions? extension? No, it's not a Quark. I'm currently looking with the 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 people of Quarkus indeed to because I have problem to when I want to run it in native mode. Yeah, uh, I have problems with the serialization, of course. Yeah, uh, and I'm now looking with the people of uh, Quarkus uh, from Red Hat on how to to solve it and to make sure it also works uh, in native mode. Yeah, what you should do, you should uh, register to a uh, this like Quarkus extension challenge, so you can win some money. <laughs> It starts right now. I'm already re registered. Ah, very good. Uh huh. Cool. Um, perfect. Um, I would re-invite you back and talk about uh, funny stuff. Uh, because you have the experience from C Sharp and .NET. And mm -hmm. uh, what I'm just curious about your time because I spent all my time with Java and JavaScript, and mm -hmm. uh, it is really hard, you know, to for me it would be hard to learn, you know, .NET on top of it. 
So it's like, uh, how are you doing this? Well, uh, the good thing was that I was just forced to do so. Ah, okay. By, uh, so you forgot by... Java for this period of time, just full, yeah. full. Uh, okay, this works in project. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and the, mm -hmm. the good thing is, like, the Java world is now stabilized, I think, a little bit. So uh, you, like, we here in Belgium, we always use Spring, Spring Boot mm -hmm. and stuff. Once you know it, you, you're set to go. The same with uh, the the micro profile, uh, the rather stable. So yeah. you, you can forget it about two years and come back, and it didn't change yeah. that much. Yeah, this is why I really stick with. Uh, this is actually why I started with J two E and Java, e, because back then was impossible to understand all the servers. Yeah. And if you knew mm -hmm. the Java E, you could become you know not expert, but someone at least who understands how how it works. And then I yeah. can pick whatever server I like, and I didn't care about the the vendor anymore. This was actually yeah. uh, my motivation back then. Yeah. Hey, cool. So thank you. I would like to reinvite you back in few weeks or few months and talk about crazy stuff. And I will review or play a little bit with your job runner library. It uh, looks like fun. And if it would be become, you know, the the uh, the the Quarkus uh, uh, extension, even better. I mean, this is fully integrated. And then if it is in Quarkus, what I would try in your case. Try to make it in uh, um, MicroProfile API. Okay. Because uh, it is simple, so it is not a lot of to do. And the MicroProfile community, they are very open. So there is no no some politic whatever. I think you could very easily create a uh, a API. An API would mean you would need probably PDF uh, spec with ASCII doc, which is ten pages, no more. Yeah. So, and 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 then it would be even more interesting because then your API could be used by several servers and you could provide a default default implementation and the project with the default implementation is called smallry.io small ryeio and this is the, like the you know the uh default implementations for micro profile and this could be actually nice so you can have your own something you know okay i'll uh, i'll look into it but uh, i first need to make sure that it actually will work in uh native mode because otherwise I'm, I'm screwed to be honest <laughs> yeah native mode and dev mode because without native mode and dev mode uh, it won't be an official Quarkus extension there's like unwritten yeah. law yeah yeah and I'll, the dev mode yeah. is very simple to fix but uh, you have to be careful about the the path um because uh it will pick different folders so this is a little yeah but i spent uh, a few nights with the Quarkus extensions so at the beginning they this is a it's an easy API, but hard to get at the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the dev mode is already working, so, so I'm cool. happy with that. Uh, but the, the the native mode, I'm, I'm really scared because, uh, yeah, I serialize stuff. I'm using a serialized Lambda. I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, yeah, you cannot serialize anything in... Uh, there is no serialization in, in native mode, so uh, I, I'm... Talking to some so to some guys from Headset on on how to to move along. So okay, cool. probably will be a build extension and uh, but I'm, I'm still I still don't see the the trees through the forest because yeah you have uh, often input coming from requests which you need and and I don't see how that will translate to build uh, to to the build uh, extension. Marcus. The extension is. It's just about uh, telling Quarkus with dependencies you have okay. and, and exposing the runtime API. It's not about receiving the request. This is part of the API. So if you would uh, like to intercept a request from, from somewhere, if you need mm -hmm. the HTTP request, how this would work, that your extension will ask another extension to get the API. Yeah. This, uh, is, this is what... Uh, yeah. yeah. But... but um... Let's say you you have a REST API of yeah. uh, which uh, gets in an address, for example. That address you want to pass along to JobRunner, mm -hmm. and to do that, uh, you uh, I need some serialization magic, and I don't know if if that will be how that will work in native mode. To be honest, yeah, but the REST API gets uh, JSON B yes indeed. object. And before that, uh, it works with message body reader and message body writer. Yeah. This yeah. is the two classes which are serialized as stuff. And if you hook before, 
and uh, Quarkus in Quarkus would be the vertex layer. So it is responsible mm -hmm. for deserialization. You get the raw data. I don't think you need the JSON object, right? I prefer to have the the address pojo in fact already, and then that address pojo that I want to serialize to the centralized to the storage to the database, and there I'm I'm uh, Ali. That's that's the problem I encounter for the moment. Yeah, okay. But if the JaxRS uh, also runs in native mode, they uh, the class is already known. Has to be. That's known. true. That's so, true. That yeah. That all works. But it's it's uh, it's a serialized lambda. It's in fact Java serialization, not JSON serialization. Yeah. It's really low level Java serialization. I don't see the problem now, but but uh, I'm I'm not so deep in, into the weeds as as you are. But uh, yeah, I'm curious. I will reinvite you, you know, in a few months, so you have okay. uh, time to think about this. And yeah, yeah. Uh, last question. You, you you wrote me an email and said uh, I don't like dependencies either. So how you find found me actually? How did I find you? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I think uh, one of your podcasts, or no, one of your blog posts. I read one of your blog okay. posts, which which told about that, and I, I, I that's one I really liked, and that's why. Uh, okay, cool. I, 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 what I, was I, the post? Do you remember? Uh, I need to look, look it up, but it, it was also yeah related to too much dependencies and too okay. much mappers and. Hey, cool. Let's Perfect. Keep, let's keep things uh, simple, eh? Perfect. So what what I'm glad right now. So you are from complete different environment than I, and we have we share okay. some mindset. So which is uh, really really nice. Perfect. Yeah. Where people can find you, hire you, or whatever. So. Um, yeah, I, of course, in LinkedIn. Uh, okay. Yeah, they can find me, and uh, that's. Uh, I monitor my LinkedIn messages. Uh, yeah, what's, what's the LinkedIn LinkedIn URI? So what is it? Uh, it's uh, LinkedIn slash Ronald the dot the house. So okay, be really I, I do you have blog, Twitter, or something? Uh, yeah, that's then the job runner uh, website. There, uh, there you can also find stuff. But for the rest, I don't. I'm not. Uh, it's my first podcast. I also am not kind of a podcast listener, to be honest. Okay. Uh, but uh, it's fun to do and uh, blog posting just about job color for the moment. Okay. So podcast is just actually why I'm doing this because it was way easier and faster for me to talk with, do, with you like that than exchange, yeah. you know, 500 emails. That's true. I understand. So, I understand. so we have spent one hour. I learned something, you know, now I'm thinking about mediators. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, the mediator has perhaps a bad name or a bad, but Take a look about Ali. I really, I can highly uh, recommend it. It's, okay. uh, it's, it's from from a job. I, I, I know the battles you fought, you fight to to introduce a new library, but that's one which Ali. It's so so easy. Uh, it could be also a part of micro profile, you know. Indeed, indeed. Uh, for me, it should be uh, both Spring uh, should include it and micro profile should include it, and it's would make a lot of code a whole lot of easier in my eyes. And it would force developers to to, to make the code easy. Okay, perfect. So thank you. Enjoy the day and uh, bye. Cheers.